You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Well, we see lots of other people being influencers and getting free stuff, so my time has come, right? Unfortunately, most likely not. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Hacking Humans podcast, where each week we look behind the social engineering scams, phishing schemes, and criminal exploits that are making headlines and taking a heavy toll on organizations around the world. I'm Dave Bittner, and joining me is Joe Kerrigan from Harbor Labs and the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. Hello, Joe. Hi, Dave. Got some good stories to share this week. And later in the show, Carol Terrio returns. She's speaking with Dr. Jessica Barker, co-founder of Sygenta, about Instagram scams. All right, Joe, uh, before we jump into our stories here, a little quick follow-up. What do you got for us? So, Dave... You've read in the news, I think you've even reported on it, that uh, Apple is being sued by two women who are alleging that they have not done enough to stop uh, them from being stalked with Apple AirTags. Right. Now, Apple is not unique in this this, uh, space. In fact, the the devices are actually pretty handy, and I've talked to a number of people who say they use them and they enjoy using them, and they're great. Mm -hmm. Uh, One great use case, legitimate use case, is you put one in your luggage. Right. When you travel. So uh, when you get to where you're going, your luggage isn't there. You can show the luggage person, uh, you know, the person who never has a good day at work, uh, who has to answer all the missing <laughs> luggage complaints, um, where your luggage actually is. Uh, I, th- I think that's a good use case. But it's also capable of tracking people's locations. If I hide surreptitiously a, uh, an AirTag on your car— uh, you may never hear the little beep that says, hey, you're being pinged by the AirTag. Right. Because right? it might right. be in your trunk. It might be too quiet. Yep. Uh, it might be in your wheel well. could be anywhere. Yeah. Um, so these women are suing Apple. Uh, but I wanted to tell everybody about a uh, an app. It's called AirGuard. Hmm. And I'm, I have it installed right now. Okay. It is developed by some academic institution. And I I'm sorry that I can't remember which one it is right off the top of my head, but (laughs) it is by an academic institution. But you can – what it does is it it looks around you all the time, every like five minutes or so, looking for things like AirTag and Tile. Mm -hmm. Uh, And like, look, Dave, I have no devices that have been tracking me. Okay. But I can also uh, do a live scan of my area. Oh. So let me let me see if I can do Oh, here it is. Right down here at the bottom it says manual scan. All right. And ooh, look at the little graphic. It's a little uh-huh. couple of circles. It's scanning, all right. Yeah. yeah. It is. Do you have an air tag in this office? No, uh, not that I know of. Oh, well, let's find out. <laughs> I was kind of hoping that you did, being an Apple guy. No, I, I have I have several let's my wife is all in on air tags. So we have many of them. Uh, she has them on her keychain, and I know we have we have many around the house. Right. No, no devices were found here. Okay, so it it does an active scan, mm-hmm. uh, and it will also let you know if it starts seeing because uh, it keeps track of your your geolocation as well. Keeps most of your information private. It does report stuff up for research, but it's uh, uh, not anonymized. But you know, it's it's de-identified. I don't know if you are concerned about that. Yeah. Uh, it it I don't think it keeps tracking data. I think it only keeps like incident data. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's, if, if it sees an air tag as you move on a regular basis, it'll let you know. Yeah. And it's called air guard. 
And, well, Apple does that automatically. So, for example, as I was saying, my, mo- uh, my mom, <laughs> sorry, dear, my wife, <laughs> uh, I'm sleeping on, the, sleeping on the couch tonight. Uh, my wife uh, has lots of AirTags, and my phone will occasionally ping me and say, hey, uh, you know, there's some AirTags that are showing up pretty regularly around you, just just so you know. Right. <laughs> so if you're on an iOS device, it keeps uh, an eye out for that. But but that you, that Android, I'm looking up to see if AirGuard is uh, available on iOS. It, it is. Let's see here. Uh, AirFinder, Bluetooth Inspector, AirGuard, Health and Fitness. Oh, that's interesting. Right. Uh, I don't think it's I don't think it's the same app as what you're describing here. So, mm-hmm. but but th- they're yeah, air tracker, Bluetooth. So there's a lot tracker detect. So there are lots device tracker, air tracker. So yeah, uh, it seems like a, uh, a hot category right now. It does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and the, I think that's good. One of the problems is if you are an Android user and mm-hmm. you're being stalked by somebody who's using AirTags, it'll never show up unless you put one of these apps on. Yeah. Uh, which you know, it's one of the I guess detriments to not being in the uh, in the Apple cult, but. <laughs> Uh, and I call it a cult, but really it's, a, you know, in the Apple community. Yeah. Uh, I, I tend to be derisive of <laughs> – mm-hmm. in other news, Dave, uh, WTNH up in Connecticut is talking about a new USPS scam that is a text message text message scam. Mm-hmm. You get a message saying, hey, we couldn't make a delivery, and then they want to charge you $3 for a uh, confirmation code or something. Huh. Uh, so what this is is it's just a quick scam to, number one – maybe get three bucks from you because you're expecting it, but also number two, to steal your credit card information oh. and validate that the credit card is chargeable right. so that people can sell it then on the on the market, mm-hmm. uh, on the dark markets. So don't do that. Yeah. You, you're going to see these all over the place this time of year. Yeah, tis the season. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be all, and all that uh, holiday package delivery noise. Right. Yeah, they're, they're hiding in there. All right, well, let's jump into our main stories here. Uh, my story actually uh, comes from... Uh, Mastodon. So, Joe, have you have, have you checked out the Mastodon? I have. Yeah? Yes. I, big fan. Or like a metal band? Are you talking? No, no. Oh, not that Mastodon. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, we're in the midst of what many are describing as a Twitter implosion. Right. Uh, and it just seems to be getting worse and worse. Mastodon is essentially a clone of Twitter that's distributed, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. The term of art, I believe, is federated. Federated. So you have a lot of uh, different servers it's it's decentralized correct and uh so you choose your mastodon server to be your home and then you can communicate with all the other mastodon servers so it it, i have a mastodon account somewhere yeah well i i started one up a few weeks ago and i am winding down my twitter account i've locked it and uh i've removed the app from my phone so how do you feel after removing the app from your phone are you are you feeling better yeah i do i feel i feel i feel good about it um, mostly because I have seen a marked uh, decrease in the quality of Twitter. Um, the level of interactions has gone way down. Many of the people who I used to follow have left, so the signal to noise has gotten worse. You know what I hope? I hope What's Elon that? Musk buys Facebook next. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, and also I'm seeing a huge increase in people trying to slide into my DMs with just all sorts of scams. And really? I, I didn't used to see those. 
And now they're like, everybody wants, hey, free, you know, you, you're on the ground floor of this new crypto thing. Congratulations. <laughs> so Since FTX crashed, we're... <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm seeing a lot of that. But just the the level of discourse, what I found, the... I, I refer to them, uh, to use your term derisively, <laughs> as right. the reply guys. The reply guys, yeah. And they're just, they're they're higher up in the comments than they ever were before. And so it's just not pleasurable anymore. So I've locked down my account and I have moved over to Mastodon. And there are some nice um, migration tools if you want to do that that are out there. So do check those out. But uh, anyway, I was over on Mastodon and I saw a thread from uh, someone who goes by Emerson and it's at em0 at hackaderm.io. Hackaderm. Hackaderm, which oh. I like. That's actually the server I'm on. Right. Which is a server uh, uh, catering to people in tech. Okay. Uh, seems to be running very well. Uh, and I found this to be a very interesting thread, and it's about this person's uh, smartphone being stolen. I'm going to read through it here. I think there's some good lessons. Uh, it starts off, and they say, what happens to your smartphone when it gets stolen? I recently had my iPhone stolen while on a business trip in London and through the wonders of Find My, have been able to track its journey in the past few weeks. I found it to be a fascinating insight into what appears to be a rather sophisticated phone theft operation and I thought I'd share. First, the theft. I was walking to my office and ended up waiting at a crosswalk on Oxford Street. I suppose every tourist must learn the hard way not to do this. But I thought I'd reply to a text and pulled out my phone. Not even 30 seconds later, someone on a bicycle zoomed by and snatched my phone straight out of my hands. By the time I had processed what happened, the person was already two blocks down and I knew my phone was gone. Clearly, the thief was a pro at this. Joe, what do you think of this so far? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the British like to make fun of us Americans. Yeah. Uh, but they have their own crime problems, and this is, this is one of them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, granted, nobody got killed here, but— <laughs> Right. <laughs> Right. Um, they go on to I'm say, sure that guy will get a stern talking to if he's ever caught. Yeah, they say, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, you can't eat your meat. You can't eat pudding if you don't eat your meat. Right. Uh, he says, since I had iMessage open when my phone was stolen, my first panic was, oh no, my phone is unlocked. Right. This meant they could poke around my photos, notes, text messages, Venmo if they kept my phone unlocked. They said, I sprinted back to my hotel and pulled up Find My on my MacBook. I set my phone to lost mode and initiated a remote wipe and prayed it would go through. The Find My UI isn't particularly intuitive here, but it looks like it went through a few minutes later. Uh, and he says, pro tip, enable Find My. Right. <laughs> so this this is Apple's uh, system for being able to basically geo-track your various iOS devices. And it works pretty well. Google has one too. Yeah. For their Android devices. Excellent. So uh, they go on to say, I was able to track my phone on Find My and watch this person zoom all around London. It was actually crazy how fine grain the tracking was. I watched them go all the way down Oxford Street through several tube stops. That's the British word for the subway, Joe. That's right. Uh, circle around touristy areas a couple of times. Probably snatching more phones on the way. <laughs> That's what he says. Probably has a backpack full of phones. <laughs> right. He says, I assume they were snatching phones from folks as naive as I and can't imagine how many phones they must have gathered. Eventually, they called it a night and ended up somewhere in Tottenham, which I presume is where they live. I stopped live tracking for the day as well. I thought this was just some basic theft and would result in my phone getting sold on Facebook Marketplace, and that would be that. But no, it turned out to be far more sophisticated. Huh. Second, the phishing text messages. On the second day, every one of my emergency contacts received the following text message. 
and the text message says, uh, Dear Emerson, your iPhone 13 Pro has been found. View location, Apple support. Uh, for context, uh, if an iPhone is found, or for context, if an iPhone is Find My enabled and remotely wiped, it cannot be reactivated without the original Apple ID login. So unless they have my Apple ID, my phone is a brick to them. This was a step up from what I was expecting. So the the um, the thieves are text messaging everyone in the emergency contacts trying to get that unlock code, right? I see. Said, I also noticed my phone had moved to a different location, which suggested this must be a coordinated theft operation. By this point, I filed a police report, filed a business travel claim, and left it at that. I checked in every few days, and my phone stayed in the exact same location, so I assumed it had been scrapped for parts, as they had not gotten my Apple ID login in over a week. But this morning, my phone is in China. (laughs) It had been been over a month, and I'd long assumed my phone was scrapped. But this morning, I got an email saying the activation lock on my stolen phone was requesting my password. I opened up Find My to see where my phone was, and it's in Shenzhen, China. Wild. I assume this is where they must finally get to scrapping my phone, uh, unless uh, they have some way to crack the activation code. Which they probably do not. I initially thought this was some basic theft where my phone would get resold as a brick, to some poor soul on Facebook Marketplace, but nope, it was way more sophisticated than that with a full-blown phishing attempt and a final ship off to China. With another phishing attempt. Right. Uh, and then they say uh, some pro tips. One, enable Find My on your devices because if your device gets stolen, you're sure as hell going to want to remotely wipe it. Yeah, right, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> Two, if you're traveling, ensure you have a way to access Find My from your hotel. This could be a laptop or an iPad you leave at the hotel. I think this is a really good point because yeah. if you're traveling and you just have the single device. And they steal it. Yeah. You're you, hosed. Yeah. I mean, I suppose you could find um, – if you could find web access, so you could go somewhere. You, you go to your local electronics store that has a computer and you could log in and you could wipe it that way. But right. that's going to take time. Yes. Three, be wary of who you list as your emergency contacts – as it appears a thief can view them even if your phone is put into lost mode. Uh, Be wary of any text messages you receive after your phone is stolen, and do not make your phone or anything really a single point of failure while traveling. Yes. He says, I normally use my phone as my hotel key, and thank God I had brought my physical key card with me that day, else I could not have gotten to my laptop as fast. I never do that. For me, every minute my phone stayed unlocked meant another minute for the thief to do damage. And finally, don't text while waiting at a crosswalk in London. Yeah. <laughs> I would say, I, yeah, I, this could happen anywhere. It right? could. I mean, yeah. it's more likely in a big, in a busy city, of right. course, it's more likely than Sure. I'll bet this happens suburbs. in New York City all the time. Yeah, I would imagine so. I would imagine so. What are your thoughts on this, Joe? Any, any, anything? Uh, First off, it infuriates me. You know, <laughs> it, it, I just get, I mean, I can, I imagine me being this person and having my phone snatched and just being infuriated by it and just like, uh, like raging. Right. <laughs> I, it would, this would piss me off so much. <laughs> right. You know, right. I, 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 so suddenly there's a new heat signature from space. That right. They're wondering, exactly. And it's, and it's my steam head, coming out of your ears. I look like that, uh, <laughs> that red guy from that movie with all the emotions. I can't remember what that was. Right. 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 But it was inside out. Yeah. Inside out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was my profile pick on something. I think Disney plus for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, but, hmm. uh, 
the um, interesting, I'm, I'm glad this person kept a really cool head and handled things very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like to think that I would do that, but I probably wouldn't. I'd probably just be <laughs> too furious. Uh, but but the I'm I'm really grateful that they went through the process of of following this for a month. Mm-hmm. I am absolutely sure this phone has been parted out once they couldn't uh, once they couldn't get the the phone to be functional. It was it was just scrapped for yeah. for parts. And when you get on Amazon and you look for iPhone parts, this is where they come from. Right, right. The only thing I I this makes me wish is that. Uh, Apple had a remote detonation option. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that thought occurred to me a couple times. Right. <laughs> you this know, phone James, will self-destruct in five seconds. We could make something that looks very much like a phone. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but isn't a phone at all. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be an explosive device. It just has to be something that makes life unpleasant, like what Mark Rober does with the, uh, the glitter the bombs. Yeah, yeah, the glitter bombs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'd be good. Yeah. That'd be good. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we will have a link to this thread over on uh, Mastodon for those of you who want to follow it yourselves. And uh, our thanks to uh, Emerson for uh, sharing this in public. Uh, We appreciate that as well. Joe, that's my story. What do you have for us? Dave, my story comes from Fox 2 up in Detroit, Michigan. It comes from Rob Walchek and David Comer. Uh, And it's a story of two people who are scammed out of this money, out of money by this guy named David Willett. And what happens is David Willett acts like a uh, connected person. Hmm. He has all these different connections. And the first uh, person in the story is a woman who is a PhD. Uh, and in this story, there's a couple things. You could, there's a video that's uh, about 10 minutes long. They did a really in-depth story on this for a local news story. Yeah. 10 minutes is a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it starts off with her talking about how she had written some scripts and she wanted to uh, start developing these scripts into media products, either movies or shows or something. Ah. Uh, so this guy says, well, I, I have this uh, this connection over in England who is uh, Bob Montgomery, which is a, r- a very British name, isn't it? Hello, I'm, <laughs> wouldn't it be Robert? Robert, Montgomery? yes. Hello, I'm Robert Montgomery. Robert Montgomery third. Please be careful yeah. with your phones over here. Um, <laughs> right. But – so he says, here's what, here's what we need to do. The first thing we need to do is set up uh, it, set up a, a, a corporation in Dominica, hmm. right? That's going to cost you 10 grand. So both these people in the story agreed to it. Well, uh, the, the other person in the story is a software uh, engineer who has a, who has a company. Uh, and then after that, they need to start paying legal fees. So uh, to the, this Bob Montgomery guy says – you need to start uh, – we need to get some legal fees set up, and that's going to be 50 grand. So the, it jumps up from 10 grand to 50 grand. And what would help – slow down a second here because okay. what, are, what are they – what is this person promising in return? $25 million, Dave. Oh, okay. Right? It's, it's, uh, that's, a, that's an excellent question. Uh, <laughs> that, I, didn't, I didn't tell you why these people are just coughing up money. Yeah. But uh, this Willett guy says that this Montgomery guy has $25 million he's looking to loan out to people, and he's not looking to invest in products. He's looking to invest in people. Ah. Right? Okay. Uh, so the, the PhD person, the, the, the writer – she actually goes out and borrows money from friends to come up with this $50,000 for legal fees. Yikes. Uh, and she does, and she she pays it to this law firm in, in Dominica. Mm-hmm. Uh, through air, air quotes. Air quotes, right. Law this firm. law firm. Yeah. She, yeah. <laughs> I don't think it costs $10,000 to set up a corporation in a foreign country. 
at all. I have no idea, but I'll take your word for it. I know that I can set up a corporation right here in Delaware, and it will cost me less than $1,000. Oh. Because I've done that. Mm. Uh, and it, it doesn't take a lot of money to do that. Okay. Uh, so setting up a, a may, maybe in the Caribbean because of the fact that you're, uh, you're outside of the U.S. jurisdiction, people take advantage of that and charge a lot of money for it. Could be. I've never set up a foreign company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know that I ever would. I, this, as soon as, for me, the first red flag would be, we need to set up a company in Dominica. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, because I would have been like, no, I don't think I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like to think I, I would have been like that. But maybe this Willett guy <laughs> is really good. Yeah. Anyway, he starts asking for more money. He starts asking, the next step up he starts asking for is for $500,000. Half a million dollars. Wow. To uh, Montgomery says, or Willett says that Montgomery says he needs the money so that he can buy an insurance policy in case something goes bad and insure the $25 million. Hmm. I'm not aware of any insurance product that will cover venture capital. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe there is insurance products out there. I'm sure that insurance companies have the actuary tables for that and they might charge it. I can't imagine covering venture capital of $25 million for just $500,000. Yeah. I think it would be much more expensive if that was the case. So okay. much so that people wouldn't buy it. Mm-hmm. They just go, no, I'm just going to put the money at risk. I'm not going to, that's a sunk cost thing. Uh, the PhD lady, her name is Lynn. Lynn immediately goes, I think this is a scam at mm-hmm. this point, actually. She's already lost $60,000. And if you watch the video, it's heartbreaking because Liz, or Lynn rather, has gone out and borrowed money from a friend and she feels like an absolute chump. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I got to tell you, she has a huge amount of courage. Both these people have a huge amount of courage coming forward saying, this is what's happened to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it takes it takes a, a, a special person to do that. Most mm-hmm. people just shut up and go, I'm just going to be embarrassed and sit in my hole. But these people have come forward and said, here's what happened. Yeah. Now, in 2022, uh, Lynn's, Lynn's problem happened in 2020. Mm-hmm. In 2022, uh, this guy named Rick, who's a software engineer, comes forward and says, yeah, this guy got me too. With the same deal, you know, set up the company in Dominica, uh, pay the pay the $50,000 in legal fees. But then for the $500,000, this guy actually borrowed $500,000 from his parents, flew to London to give it to Montgomery, but was met by Willett's son, also named Willett, hmm. Willett the Younger, uh, who then uh, allegedly took the money and, and gave it to Montgomery. And then after some period of time— they get the news that uh, Bob Montgomery's dead. He's gone. He's dead. Oh. And uh, the it's not really clear what's happened beyond this. Uh, so Rob Walchek, who is the reporter on this, uh, actually finds David Willett and uh, accosts him as he's coming out of some building and starts talking to him and gets this guy to talk. Hmm. And the guy's story is, I was just connecting uh, these people with venture capitalists. So that they could they could get their their money uh, you know get their get their businesses off the ground. Unfortunately, Bob Montgomery died, and his son uh, I think his name is Daniel Willett sent an email saying all we were doing was brokering meetings. We didn't touch any money. I never saw any money. I I don't know about that. Uh, the story is very interesting. The point of this is that what's happening here is that these people have an idea that they believe in. Uh, and that idea is being exploited by other people to elicit funds from them. 
but, but yes, yes. But by idea, you, we also mean greed, right? Well, I mean, yeah, I guess you could say it's greed. <laughs> I mean, yeah. A desire for success, let's say. Yeah. Let's not use the— uh, Well, I mean, that's I the mean, thing that's, that's short-circuiting their rational thinking. You're right, Dave. In fact, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and say greed, but I'm not going to say greed is bad. Greed is a survival mechanism that we have. <laughs> right. It's it's what what has gotten us through lean times uh, as as humans, the desire for, for acquiring things, usually food and shelter, is what keeps us alive. It's yeah. part of our part of our drive. Um, we also have an innate drive to help each other as well, mm-hmm. which is sometimes those two things get out of balance. But that's a different story about morality. <laughs> <laughs> so, these, yeah, these folks are trying to start a business. Uh, they have a product that they really believe in, uh, mm-hmm. and, and they're going – they're looking around for venture capital. But I got to tell you, I, venture capital, in my experience, in my understanding of it, doesn't work this way. Uh, it, you know, when 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 you're going out and you're saying, I'm looking for investors, nobody then says, okay, first I need you to set up a company in um, in a foreign country. The first thing that I think of there is that, okay, somebody's going to be using me as a money mule for laundering some kind of money, and mm-hmm. I'm not interested in that. Yeah. Uh, I'm not interested in any culpability that may come along with that. Uh, that would be where my mind would immediately go. Right, uh, but if you don't have any experience with these sorts of things, yeah, exactly. You I don't see think these how... people have that kind of experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a fascinating video. It's worth the ten minute watch, especially to watch uh, David Willett when he's being interviewed. Uh, I don't I don't know what this guy's deal is. You know, it it, it doesn't see, he. For all I know, he could be a completely legitimate businessman, a member of of Fat Tony's legitimate businessman club, <laughs> uh, but he could also be. This guy could be the scammer. Who knows? Yeah, well, and I think the he, money went somewhere. Yeah, the money went somewhere. So, but I guess it's that much harder to track when it's international. It is. That's that's huge. Now, both of these folks have uh, have talked to the FBI. So, mm. uh, hopefully, there will be some charges brought or something will be be done about this. I don't know who's going to get charged, where it's going to go, what, what's going to happen. But yeah, yeah. Who knows? All right. Well, we'll have a link to that story in the show notes. Uh, Joe, it is time to move on to our catch of the day. Our catch of the day comes from a listener named Jay who sent this into us. Thank you, Jay. Uh, it is from a LinkedIn profile named by uh, of a guy named Dave Harland, and uh, he got a LinkedIn scam message and just starts having some fun with it. Uh, Dave, why don't you play the part of uh, Louise Happy Hayes? (laughs) (laughs) Happy is her middle name. Happy is her middle name. (laughs) And in fact, Dave Dave Harlan says, when someone with happy for a middle name walks into your life with a no-brainer investment opportunity, it's hard to say no. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. All right. I I will be uh, Ms. Happy Hayes. Uh, Hi, Dave. It's great to connect with you. Hi, Louise. Cheers for connecting. Cheers, Dave. I hope all's well with you. I have been better, but I'm taking things one day at a time since the accident. I'm sorry to hear that. What happened? Have you ever heard of a country called Spain? I've never been there before, but my friend Sammy asked me to go on holiday there in the summer. So during the last weekend in August, we flew to Madrid and stayed in the lovely hotel overlooking Main Square. And then one night, we got in a taxi to a small family-run tapas restaurant on the outskirts of the city, where the food was divine except for one dish, a bowl of mini meatballs, the temperature of which could only be described as molten. 
And because I'm such a greedy guts, I gobbled three of the thermonuclear little nuggets straight into my mouth without blowing on them first and subsequently burnt through the mucous membranes in my cheeks, leading to months of agonizing ulcers, which have severely affected the way I eat, speak, drink, chew, sing, whistle, and lick and howl. Are you serious? Astonishingly so. But the accident has taught me a very valuable lesson. Never travel to unfamiliar countries. (laughs) (laughs) How are you, Louise? I'm fine. Just finished setting up my Christmas tree. And there's a picture of a lovely Christmas tree in front of a nice uh, uh, snow-covered background. Mm -hmm. And Dave says, oh, wow, that is fantastic. Please be careful with the fairy lights, though. Five years ago, our pet gopher, Keith, chewed through the cable of our lights, and I suffered a fatal electric shock. (laughs) Thanks, Dave. Would you like to invest with me in the stock market? (laughs) This is great. From fatal electric shock from somebody (laughs) who's sending you messages to just, okay, let's on with the scam, please. Yeah. (laughs) Dave goes, yes, Louise, I would very much like that. It would be the perfect tonic for my endlessly sore inner face cheeks since the fiery meatball fiasco and my eternal lifelessness since that devastating fairy light incident in which I ceased to exist. How does it work? With the ongoing crypto market, this is the best time to invest, accumulate, and grow your portfolio. We operate a mining system that utilizes an advanced mining technique called Mining Hive. With the help of cloud mining technique and our high-efficiency hardwares, this makes it possible for even a beginner to earn profits through mining without exposure to risks and its energy savings. Are you there? Apologies, Louise. I was taking Keith out for a walk and was accosted in the street by our next-door neighbor, Anne and Steve. They're making wild, baseless accusations that Keith has been sneaking into their garbage in the dead of night, helping himself to tempura prawns from their overflow freezer, letting the air out of their bicycle tires, and playing inappropriate music on their car radio at an unacceptable volume. But Keith doesn't even like prawns. Thanks, Dave. How much are you willing to invest? Thank you, Louise. I'm willing to invest around $11,684 into your innovative mining system. However, I have four concerns and questions and comments for you. One, how big is the lift to go down into the mine? I am deeply claustrophobic, so small spaces such as lifts, fridges, Toyota Yaris's make (laughs) make me go all clammy and tearful. Two, you mentioned a mining hive. Do you offer protective clothing? I have a morbid fear of bees ever since that Macaulay Culkin scene in a 1991 film, My Girl, so this is non-negotiable. Three, cloud mining. I'm hideously confused. Enlighten me. Four, I'm intrigued by the energy-saving element. Can this be used to offset my home electricity and gas bills? If so, I will give Keith his electric blanket back, and maybe he'll stop going to Ann and Steve's garbage to keep warm. That's all for now. With my company, trading cryptocurrency is a flexible way to earn quickly and trade better with the help of an expert and account manager, which I am. And with my company's brokerage firm, it's a great way to make more money and grow your investments exponentially. An investor can sit back and relax and make an investment from the comfort of his or her home. An investment of 0.95 Bitcoin, 20,000. An investor is sure to get as a profit over 3.9 Bitcoin, 65,000, in seven days. And of course, you can start with a minimum amount. That is just an example. That's the power of trading. Dependent on how the system market is on the week, you can even make more or less. All you need to do is create a trading account via one of my private partnership broker platforms and fund it. After an estimated trade period, you can cash out profits. Thank you for answering none of my questions, Louise. Very non-helpful for you. Will you give me a similar lack of support when I'm down in the mine? Also, 
The idea of sitting back and relaxing after making a $20,000 investment from my slash her home fills me with ultra suspicion. Putting a humongous monetary amount like that on the line will only ever result in nail-bitingly 100-mile-an-hour full-throttle adrenaline-fueled body-fluid-erupting mayhem. That's a great way to say it. (laughs) I would essentially be gambling away all of Keith's inheritance. Listen, tell me what you really want to know. I think I need to explain more to you, because all you listened are not in connection to what I told you. Tell me what you don't understand about my investment strategy, and I will give you another light term. Thank you for your patience with me, Louise. I can sense there is an underbelly of frustration, yet you are approaching the conversation with the utmost professionalism, an admirable trait that I look for in all potential future subterranean co-voyagers. Here's a summary of my questions. One, is there a big lift? Two, do you provide sting-proof clothing? Three, WTF is cloud mining. I thought clouds were just floaty water. Four, can I offset energy savings in my home? Five, are you always this unhelpful? Six, will you look after Keith for us when we go on holiday in Spain together in January? If so, make sure you've taken your fairy lights down. I don't take care of animals. Is Keith an animal? And this goes on for another, like, five slides. (laughs) (laughs) And Dave has done a really good job. We'll put a link in the show notes to this this thing. You can finish it up. But eventually, Dave... Frustrates this scammer to the point where they stop responding, which is great, <laughs> which is awesome. Eats up some of their time. Yes, he eats up some of their time. Thank you, Dave. Thank you for posting this. Uh, it is hilarious. I, I love the the part about Keith, your gopher. <laughs> Nobody has pet gophers. Right, right. Uh, I had, you know, my uh, my brother had a roommate who had a um, prairie dog. A prairie dog. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. Uh, evidently, you're not allowed to have prairie dogs as pets anymore. But he at this at, at the time when he had one. You could have a pet prairie dog. It was very cute. Uh, All right. (laughs) We would love to hear from you. Uh, If there's anything you'd like us to consider for the show, you can email us. It's hackinghumans at thecyberwire.com. Joe, it is always a pleasure to welcome back Carol Terrio to the show, and it is doubly pleasurable this week because joining Carol is Dr. Jessica Barker. She is co-founder of Sygenta, and they are talking about Instagram scams. Here's Carol Terrio and Dr. Jessica Barker. Well, listeners, a treat today. We have friend and colleague, uh, Dr. Can I say colleague? I don't know if I can. Sure. I think you can. Yeah. yeah. Friend and colleague, Dr. Jessica Barker. She's co-founder of Cygenta, an expert cyber trainer. Welcome to Hacking Humans, Jess. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me back. Well, I'm so happy because um, I, you may not know this, but I have very recently got myself on Instagram and I have actually done nothing with it because I can't even figure out how to use it. I know this because I am following you. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Maybe you could give me a hand. It's like I asked a friend and she says, oh, all you got to do is follow cool people and then it all works out. And I was like, okay, I don't really. So so you, you have pulled together uh, some thoughts on the biggest Instagram scams or the ones that are most common and all also some tips on how to avoid them. So I uh, thought you should come on the show and help give me some advice. But I wanted to know first, are you a fan of Instagram? I, I am. I do like Instagram. Um, I, when I started using it, I was a bit 
as you've described, I was like, what is this? I don't really understand. But yeah. then I kind of, I think it's kind of fun. I've even started making the odd reel lately, which is like the little videos. <laughs> Thank you for explaining. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, there are some pitfalls in all social media platforms. So maybe you can tell us a few uh, common scams on Instagram. Yeah, of course. As you say, there's always the drawbacks. There's always the security issues. And over one billion people actually use Instagram every month. So of course, cyber criminals are going to be drawn to it. It's a very popular platform. It's open. It feels very personable. So it's, of course, there's going to be some scammers trying to take advantage of it. And they do this in a few different ways. One of the most common ones is so-called brand ambassador scams. And I myself have received many of these messages. You receive a message on Instagram saying, would you like to be a brand ambassador or an influencer for our company? And often they will be saying they like your profile. They'd like to send you some jewelry or some clothes or some beauty products, whatever right. it may be. And you're like, finally, I've made it. <laughs> exactly. I'm an influencer right. now. Um, but of course it does prey on that kind of um, influencer culture. It preys on flattery. It preys on that fear of missing out, that FOMO, where we see lots of other people being influencers and getting free stuff. So my time has come, right? Unfortunately, most likely not. What is happening here is that the accounts are either trying to trick you into actually buying goods to be an ambassador. So they're saying, we'll send you some free stuff, but you also have to buy some things, or you just have to pay a shipping fee that happens to be very high. So there, you are not an ambassador. You are being tricked into being a customer. Wow. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. And even more shady than that is where they say, you're going to be an ambassador. We just need to sign you up. We need your personal data. We need your bank details so we can pay you. And then of course they disappear with your personal details and your bank details to defraud you. It's so insidious because you can totally understand that someone wants to verify your identity before doing anything in the same way that you want to verify theirs, but they're actually scamming you out of your information. Okay, wow. So brand ambassador, um, I don't know, scams, I guess they're called, yeah? Mm-hmm, exactly. So what else do I have to look out for out there? Of course, those fake investment schemes that we see on all sorts Mm. of platforms, these fake get-rich-quick schemes where the scammers will have a profile full of photos of their lavish lifestyle, lots of expensive goods, they're living in amazing mansions, they've got incredible cars, and they say you just need to invest in their scheme, their cryptocurrency scheme or their investment scheme to have the same thing. And some Mm. of them will even have websites of like full fake data about the investments. But of course, it's all a scam and the criminals will disappear with your money after really trying to wring as much money out of you as they can. Right. Okay. And those are the same kind of investment scams that we'll see on other social media platforms as well. Interesting. Yeah. And what they do sometimes that's really nasty is... They'll be halfway through scamming someone and they will say, oh, well, actually, if you want your money back, we need you to provide an endorsement video. We need you to do some posts to endorse us and then we'll give your money back. So then you find that there are these people posting 
videos and, you know, um, pictures saying that they have made money with this investment scheme. So people feel like there's genuine reviews, but it's actually right. people who've essentially had their money held hostage. And of course, they still don't get it back. Oh my gosh. So you're like desperate to get your money back. And they say, well, do this and we will refund you. Yeah. You do it. And then they go, ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like a double whammy. Double God. whammy. And then other people see it and they think, oh, this must be legit because look at all of these people who have, who have verified it. Yeah. It's too insidious. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's two. Tell me about another one. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> I'm scaring I'm scaring you off Instagram. Um, there, are, there are, of course, the kind of the fake giveaway goods and gift card scams. So essentially we see accounts selling goods that don't actually right. exist or they're cheap copies of the real deal. So they'll be ripping off known names, known brands, using all of the branding and really using temptation to cloud our judgment, thinking this is an amazing deal. Right. And this is like super important to underline right now because Christmas is a coming and people spend a lot of money at the holidays to get that exact gift. And if it's off the shelves, you might turn to somewhere like Instagram to locate it and you might fall into a to a nasty trap. And speaking of current circumstances, we're in the middle of an economic crisis. People are going to be looking to try and make more money and to save money. So it's a really worrying time, I think, in terms of the investment scams and these kind of fake sales, fake giveaway, fake goods accounts. Right. Okay. So... Mm. I'm really looking forward to getting on Instagram. <laughs> Is there anything else that I need to worry about? <laughs> there are the the kind of typical phishing things. You look like you have received a Instagram a DM or an email from Instagram itself, trying to get you to click a link, a typical thing, asking for your username and your password. And they're commonly trying to scare people by looking like an, a, an email coming from Instagram saying you have infringed copyright on your account. Mm. Or one I saw, you have one of the, your account has been voted one of the worst accounts on Instagram, click here to see why. And oh. so people are pushed into clicking and then they're pushed into entering their username and their password, of course, giving your username and your password to criminals. Wow. Okay. So we have gone through a number of different types of scams that are lurking around on Instagram. Jessica, this has been fantastic. Will you come on again next week and give us more information on how we can actually safeguard ourselves against these things? Absolutely. Just try and stop me. <laughs> In the meantime, listeners, you can check out Jessica's YouTube channel called Dr. Jessica Barker, where she shares loads of cybersecurity tidbits. This was Carol Terrio for Hacking Humans. Joe, what do you think? Dave, I have an Instagram account. Mm. Uh, this is where uh, all kinds of young, beautiful, attractive women suddenly ask to follow me. Here's the latest one. Her name is Sharon, Dave. <laughs> here's a pic. Here's some pictures of Sharon oh, on my Instagram account. Yeah, Sharon. She's, yeah, she's quite very lovely. Attractive, very attractive. Uh -huh. I'm sure Just this like is the kind of woman who would be attracted to you. What right. Is, what does your lovely wife think of Sharon? Uh, I don't know that Lisa has a, an Instagram account or knows that Sharon... I, actually, I never followed Sharon back. I just mm -hmm. let Sharon follow me, hoping to get, like, maybe some, some virus link or something. Who knows? Yeah. You know, um, 
but uh, you know, this is the kind of thing that goes on all the time on Instagram where these people reach out. Oh, and here's another thing uh, on Sharon's, Sharon's Instagram account. Sexy cars, Dave. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. Push, pushing all of your masculine buttons. Right, exactly. <laughs> Not only is she beautiful, but she likes cool cars. She likes cool fast cars. cars. Right, sure. muscle cars. Yeah, of course. Right. Of course she does. I drive a Scion XB, Dave. I'm not really impressed by a muscle car. <laughs> okay. It's it's a 2012, and uh, it has like 120,000 miles on it, and I'm going to drive that thing until the wheels fall off. <laughs> okay, fair enough. And uh, just because I'm not a car guy, Yeah. right? I, I, I'm just not a, a, a typical car guy. But let's get back to this um, this uh, Instagram talk. <laughs> I, I don't. I mean, I get Instagram. I just never see what's on it. I don't. So I don't post a lot of things on it. Mm-hmm. I, I have posted stuff on it in the past, obviously, because it's there. But I haven't posted anything in years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the brand ambassador scam. That's a good scam, I think. Hmm. Yeah, it preys on uh, on on the. Dreams and delusions of 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 younger people who believe they're going to be influencers, mm-hmm. and why shouldn't they be influencers? I think I think Dr. Barker even says that in in the interview. Why why shouldn't this happen to me? It happens to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Why shouldn't I also get this? Um, so what do they do then? They say, okay, well, buy the product and talk about it. Mm. Great, it's wonderful. It's a scam. Uh, you're being tricked into being a customer, or worse, you're uh, they're going to say we're going to send you all all this stuff. But in order to do that, we're going to need your tax information because this is essentially income, right? (laughs) Right. That all makes sense, right? If I'm, if I'm going to be giving you income, I'm going to need your tax information. That's a kind of like an employment scam here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then of course they just go out and they, they steal your information and maybe do some identity theft with it. It's terrible. Uh, Crypto scams, (laughs) crypto scams, big crypto scam recently, this FTX thing. Yeah. Uh, Huge. That is, I, I don't know what's going on in there. It, was it a Ponzi scheme? Was it just a just a scam? Uh, I, I don't know. We're, uh, that's going to be years for us to unravel it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like to say a couple things about investing in crypto. Number one, if you don't own the keys, you don't own the crypto. Mm. So if you're putting your crypto in, the, in an exchange of any kind, any online exchange, you're putting your crypto in somebody else's custody, that is somebody else's crypto, and you are relying on a promise that they're going to give it back to you. That's it. And they're not FDIC insured. They're not FDIC insured. Exactly. It's <laughs> right. not like a bank. Right. Where you, right. Yeah. There's no, there, there's nothing like that. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I say about crypto investing is don't put any money in into crypto that you couldn't afford to just walk out into the street and set on fire. <laughs> if you can't afford to do that with that money, if you need that money to pay rent or buy food, don't do that. Yeah. Don't buy crypto. Yeah. Don't uh, buy the rent, buy the, pay your rent, buy the food. Don't buy crypto. <laughs> right. You're not going to make money on crypto. Even if even if you do make money on crypto, it's not going to be as quickly as your rent is due. <laughs> not in this market. Anymore. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's a constant theme, even from my story today, that once they start scamming you, they're going to take you for all they all they can. Mm-hmm. They're going to even if it's all you have, and we've seen that where where people have in, on this show we've talked about scams where people have literally lost every penny they had to a scam. Yeah, because they they thought they didn't realize it was a scam, and they they were going after the uh, they were sucked into the sunk cost fallacy, or right. they genuinely believed they were actually making money when they weren't. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's a it's a terrible situation. Validate everything. Don't trust anybody, especially not online. Mm. It's really not a, a good environment. Anybody can be sitting behind that profile you're looking at. You really don't have any idea who it is. Uh, what I thought was really interesting was when uh, Dr. Barker was talking about the 
crypto scams where they said, okay, if you want to get your money back, you have to do an endorsement video of our product, <laughs> which they then use to go out and scam more people. And then they never give you the money back. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, these people are monsters, Dave. Um, <laughs> it's awful. Anyway, I, I thought this is a great interview. I do like having Carol Terrio on the show. Yeah. Um, sometimes when I'm typing I'm, I, and I'm reading what I'm typing, I'm reading it in her voice in my head for some reason. <laughs> Uh, it's great. Well, yeah, always a pleasure to have Carol bring these stories to us. And, of course, uh, Dr. Jessica Barker, a great guest to have as well. So we appreciate both of them taking the time. That is our show. We want to thank all of you for listening. Thanks to Harbor Labs and the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute for their participation. You can learn more at harborlabs.com and isi.jhu.edu. The Hacking Humans podcast is proudly produced in Maryland at the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our senior producer is Jennifer Iben. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie. I'm Dave Bittner. And I'm Joe Kerrigan. Thanks for listening. 